Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. The Bible says, and in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. So praise the Lord, everybody. Clap your hands and give God glory. Come on, clap your hands and give God glory. Amen. The book of Judges chapter 15. Book of Judges chapter 15. Reading with verse 4. It is so good to be home. Amen. I, uh, but I have to say, it did feel better being away when it was minus two and I was in Florida. And I was in California as well last weekend and I was, had a, two different engagements to be in. And would you believe that in California and Florida, it was both in the 30s? I almost called my wife and said, are you sure you paid our tithes last week? I'm just teasing, but it was cold. And uh, it is so good to be home, 15 degrees or not. It's good to be here. And uh, thank you, Pastor Cody, for leading. Amen. The Nehemiah intercession this past week while it's gone. I know you were doing that. And to the saints of the Most High, God bless you today. Thank you for your faithfulness. What a beautiful crowd on a Sunday. You do not want to miss tonight. We have a powerful preacher going to be preaching. I feel like it's the will of the Lord for him to be here. And uh, we want to be safe, but we don't want to live in fear. Amen. We need to be at the house of God. Come, if you're watching by way of the web, be here tonight. It's going to be so powerful. The Lord's going to minister through us through the power of the word. But I do have a word for you today that I feel that God would have me. I don't know how far I will get into this service today. I don't know how far I'll get into the message. I'm going to preach as much of it as God will allow me. This morning in our service, God interrupted. God interrupted. We had one to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. Amen. Brother Jay Southall came to church this morning and he was crippled in his back. He had to crawl down the stairs like needles in his feet. He was in such pain. But during that moment when the breath of God breathed through here, he began to leap and was instantly healed. Amen. I give glory to God. My wife and I were at a conference. Just remain standing. I'll read the text in just a moment. But my wife and I were at a conference in California. It's called Landmark. During the Friday night service, I was unfortunately unable to be there. I had to be in another state for a previous engagement, but she was there. God took over the service. 5,000 people in that building. God took over the service. The preacher wasn't even able to preach. He said, today in my hotel room, God led me. I began to pray for somebody that had pain in their feet and in their right leg. He said, my second prayer, I began to pray for somebody's child that was needed a miracle. She would tell you, I was watching online on East Coast time, somewhere around 12.30 a.m., Brother Nehemiah. And all of a sudden, they said, everybody stop praying. They were, the church, all 5,000 were praying for this situation. They had two situations. I looked and the preachers went to this side of the platform and on FaceTime, a baby that had been unconscious or not 
in the hospital but hadn't re, been uh, awake for was it three to four months I think maybe it was a long time but while they were praying the baby opened its eyes and came wide awake he's a healer they were FaceTiming with the baby amen somebody at the hospital all of a sudden they turned the camera to this side and there was a man that had come in on a wheelchair that was standing walking up on the platform and somebody was holding his wheelchair up God healed that man let me tell you anything is possible when we call on the name of the Lord what do you have need of today? Can I tell you, it's not too big for God and it's not too small that it's not important to God. If you need a miracle, you can get it in this building right now. Somebody say amen. In Judges chapter 15, I want to say that we are living in the greatest hour of the church. The greatest hour, the greatest day to ever be alive is right now. God is calling forth ministries. He's calling forth divine purpose in your life because he's going to do something in this end time that's greater than anything he's ever done in history. And he's called you to be a part of it. He's called me to be a part of it. How many want to be a part of what God is doing on this earth? Amen. Judges 15 verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Samson went and caught 300 foxes. I couldn't even catch one. 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail. He caught the foxes. He tied their tails together. He put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. It's like a torch. And when he had set the brands on fire, everybody say, he set them on fire and then he let them go. He caught them, he united them, he set them on fire and then he let them go. He caught them, he united them, he set them on fire and then he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. He burned up the wheat fields. He burned up the corn fields. It burned up the vineyards. It burned up the olive trees. The fire was so hot that it consumed the entire harvest of the Philistines. Everything that was involved in the harvest or the harvest was consumed in the fire that was started by one man. I'd like to preach to you from this portion of scripture simply set the fields on fire. Set the fields on fire. I want you to count of three. I want you to shout, set the fields on fire. One, two, three. Look at your neighbor and say, set the fields on fire. Oh, clap your hands and praise him again before you're seated. Oh, come on, praise him again before you're seated. For he's done excellent things. He has done excellent things. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. Samson was married to a woman of Timnath. This woman of Timnath had, had been 
really uh, cheated by the Philistine men about a riddle. They had threatened her to give the answer to Samson's riddle. And when Samson realized it, he said, how can you plow with my heifer was a statement that he made about them taking advantage of her to get her to tell the answer of the riddle. He fought them and destroyed those men that day. It appears he disappeared. He went out of town from his wife. But when he returned, the Bible says he went to go into her. He went to go see her in the chamber when he arrived back. But her father, his father-in-law, forbid him to go because he said, I thought you were angry. I thought you had went away. And so I gave her to your best man. Now listen, I don't know how you would feel if you returned home and she was with your best man in the wedding. But there was some anger that furied in him. He realized that another Philistine, even in this case, had caused this situation to happen that caused him to lose his wife. Let me tell you something. You can mess with a lot of things, but when you start messing with the family... When you start messing with my spouse, when you start messing with my children, there's something that starts burning deep down on the inside. Can I I connect with every mom and every dad, every husband and every wife in this room? The devil, you can mess with strangers down the road, but when you start messing with my house, you're gonna start turning over some indignation inside of me. There's gonna be some zeal that's gonna start stirring up on the inside. Can I say to every mother, there's got to get something in you. It says, enemy, you can't have my kids. You can't have my children. There's got to get a dad in this room that says, you cannot have my babies. You're not getting my kids involved in this stuff and losing them. Is there anybody in this room that says, I'm tired of what the devil's doing to our young people. I'm tired of what the devil's doing to our community. I'm angry now. If we're not careful, we will label Christianity exactly what the devil wants it to be labeled, meek and weak. All Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. I understand that when your brother's offended at you and they do you wrong. Turn the other cheek and let them hit you. I understand when you're dealing with offense, but let me tell you something. When you are dealing with the enemy, it's a different story. When you are dealing with the devil trying to destroy your marriage, trying to destroy your children's family, trying to destroy your grandbabies and put them on addictive things, trying to destroy their mind that they would rather not live, amen. Instead, they would rather die because of the influence of the devil. I don't know what it does to you, but I hear of all of these young people committing suicide. When I hear of all these young people overdosing in our community, something stirs up in me and says, enough is enough I'm tired of the influence of the devil I'm tired of the culture and what it's doing to our community I am stirred to the core not one more death not one more young person dying not one more young person can I get a witness from the church I realize Jesus was meek but he was not weak when he saw things not going the way they should be he 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 took a a, a whip and tied the cat of nine tails and he walked into the temple and said, it's enough. I've had enough. This is not the way it's supposed to be. He said, for the zeal of the Lord's house hath eaten me up. 
Can I say the enemy would love to back the church into a corner and say, wait till everything is clear. Don't go to church anymore. Stop praying. Stop reaching. Stop doing. You know, COVID has backed us into a corner to where we're afraid to pray. We're afraid to witness. Afraid to go to the house of God. Afraid, 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 afraid. I know it's real. I'm not trying to take away from any effects. I've lost good friends over it. I've preached the funerals of several people because of it. I'm not belittling the effects of COVID but what I'm saying it can't delay us to where we do nothing with what's going on in our community let me just word it this way the only churches that are having revival and the only churches that are growing right now are the churches that are having church We've got to get together. If you've got a symptom, stay home. If you've got symptoms of sickness, stay home. Don't come because of those symptoms. Wait till you're better and come. We'll pray for you at a distance. But what I'm saying, we can't stand home because of a what if all the time. we got to get to the house of God and be who God called us to be. Somebody say amen. There's a fire lit in me because I can see the clock winding down. Dad, I can see the clock winding down. Amen. Brother Bell, I can see the clock winding down. It's the 11th hour. The devil knows what time it is. He's doing everything he can to discourage the saint and destroy the preacher. He's doing everything he can. He comes after the man of God. When he can't get him, he goes after the spouse of the man of God. Then he goes after the children of the man of God. Then he gets into the leadership and goes down to the saints until he can find a weak link to take him out because he knows the only thing that can stop him on this earth is the church. Church isn't a place where we go and fall asleep and mark off the box of our religious obligations. Church is a place where we come to get empowered by his presence to push back the darkness of what the enemy's trying to do. Somebody say amen. And I come to preach to you today. You're not too old and you're not too young for God to do something in you, through you, and by you. I come to tell you, when you praise him, something happens. When you praise, something does happen. There's power in your prayer. Can I get a witness from somebody in the building that says we need the church to be the church? I hear in the back of my mind right now a song in the verse that says, gates of hell would not prevail. He's declared war on you, but I come to tell you, I'm declaring war on him. I'm declaring war on the prince of this city. I'm declaring war on the spirit of fear. I declare war on the spirit of infirmity. I declare war on everything trying to destroy the saints of God. I feel like something that came over David. And when David saw a lion come and grab a lamb, he said, you can't have what belongs to the father. And when a bear came in and grabbed a sheep, you can't have what belongs to the father. I come to preach to you, devil, you can't have what belongs to the father. You need a little grit in you. You need a little backbone in you. You need a little stirring within you. Stir up the gift. I wish some mother would jump to your feet and shout, not my baby. Come on, shout it like you mean it. I'm not up here just trying to get you roused up today. I'm I'm trying to stir you up today. Not my baby. You can't have my children. You're not going to get what God's given me. I've seen it. I've grown up in this. A lot of times in the church, the most faithful are the women. 
It's grandma that's the solitary. It's grandma that's the anchor. It's grandma that everybody goes to for prayer. It's grandma. But can I say in this building, of the anchor, we don't just have grandmothers and women. We've got praying men. Where's the man at? Where's the man at that'll jump to your feet and say, you can't have my house. You can't have my marriage. You can't have what God has given. I come to call forth men right now. God's put something in you. That's why you've been dis- discontented. I'm going to tell you why. Because what the church was doing before COVID wasn't working. Just going to church. Waiting on the next service. But it has empowered us to realize who we are. Satan, get me behind me. There was somebody who came to this church one time was possessed of a devil. I don't talk about this stuff too much, but there's some things that blames on the devil. She was self-inflicting herself. I knew her for eight years. She had a, she had a spirit. She was possessed. I'm gonna say this because there's some people in this room that you've been dealing with spiritual things and you wonder why you're so miserable because you've allowed a spirit in your life. You're going from peel to peel. You're going from person to person and you can't feel. You're scared at night. You're dealing with insomnia. You're afraid to go to sleep because you're anxious and you feel a little bit, you feel lost, you feel empty. You wonder what it is. I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's a devil. It's a spirit that has come near you. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and says, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. Not everything is just mental. Not everything is just chemical issues. Not everything is just social things. Not everything is that way. Some things are spirits. It gets quiet in the room. Listen, I've got experience, and I realize not everything's spiritual. There's some things just didn't have enough sleep. You work too much. If I go without sleep too much, I'll feel depressed. Can I get a witness, somebody? It's not a spirit of depression. I've just got out of balance. Need some sleep. Need some sleep and a good cup of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Can I get a witness? Amen. Then I feel better. It's not a spirit. I just... I needed to sleep, and the older I get, the worse it gets. When I was 20 years old, I could go, I could go 36 hours no sleep, you know, be a little heavy-eyed, but I wouldn't affect my emotions. But in my 30s and 40s, that changed. It affects my emotions now when I get out of balance. But what some of you are dealing with are spirits, and this woman that came to this church, she was dealing with the devil, and that spirit would speak out of her the same way it did in the, in the Bible. The spirit would speak out of her, and, uh, uh, and it, was, it was so different. It wasn't even her own voice, and man... Let me just speak confidently. I'm afraid you're going to judge me. That's why I don't talk about this stuff too much. But it's real. It's in America. And there's a lot of people dealing with spirits. We don't have anybody talking about it. And, and she came, and she was stiff as a board. She'd been banging her head out there in the foyer. And uh, because any, the nature of the devil is when he gets in your life, he can't leave you alone until he destroys you. He can't let you just have pleasure of sin. He always turns to self-destruction. It's his nature. You see, the nature of God is so different. The nature of God is that no matter where you are, who you are, what you've done, where you've been, when you have faith toward him, he doesn't care how far you've been gone, what you've done, where you were the night before. When you turn to him, he puts his hand on you and he starts bettering you. That's the nature of God. The nature of God is not to curse you, to tell you're not good enough, make you never feel like you're ever gonna be anything. That's not God. That's your flesh or the devil. When God comes in your life, he wants to pick you up. He wants to heal all your wounds. He wants to love on you. He wants to care for you. 
That's the truth. That's why the Bible says in John 10, 10, says the thief, speaking of the devil, he's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. He's going to take away from you. He's going to destroy everything in your life. Amen? And he's going to try to kill you. That's what he does. He cannot put his hands on you and not start destruction. It started in fun. You knew it was sin. You knew it was wrong. It felt so good. Now you can't get away from it. Now you're in bondage to it. Now it's ruining your life. And I said something this morning I don't know if I've ever said before. When the prodigal son was so far away from God, when he got in that pig pen and was slopping hogs, went from a wealthy place into where he had nothing, and he's about to eat what the hogs were eating. The Bible says he about filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. You're in bad shape when hog slop looks good. But that's where the devil, the devil can't help but to take an amazing lady like you and drag you down. Shame you. Cause you to do the things you're ashamed of. Feel not good enough because of the mistakes that you, he will drag you down and pull you through the mud. It's the nature of him. You know why? Because he's a fallen angel and he wants to make sure every one of you fall. It's nothing more than for you to feel hopeless. That's the nature of the devil. He gets in and he won't let go until he's destroyed. John 10, 10, for the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Amen. That's the power of the church. And what you're feeling in here isn't just positive energy. It's not just emotionalism of Christianity. No, it's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that will heal you, set you free, and better your life. Somebody say amen. amen. And when the prodigal came to himself, everybody say he came to himself. When he came to himself, this is what happened. When he came to himself, he said, I perish with hunger. No man gave to him. He's at a lonely. Isn't it amazing that sin will take you further than you ever want to go, then it'll drop you off all by yourself and now nobody can help you? Where's your friends now? Imprisoned and no friends. In bondage and no friends. Their circle changes to people just like you that have no friends. Because misery loves. Oh, I know what I'm preaching because they're going to be out there a whole bunch of people in this city that are going to get set free from the chains and the bonds what devil put on them. <laughs> devil, you had them long enough. Come on, you've been addicted long enough. You've been suicidal long enough. I'm preaching to somebody. You've been in bondage long enough. You do not have to stay that way. He'll set you free. Was that you, Brother Zion, that was singing today? Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm coming out of my grave clothes. I'm preaching to you that God wants to set you free. I looked at this woman that was bound by a spirit, took her into the prayer room, and she was bound. She was bound by a spirit. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I looked at her and I called her by name. I said, look at me. When she did, she had to stare at me because I had authority over the spirit that was in her. When I said that, a woman that could not be free on her own, she was bound by a spirit that could not even be in straight left or right, was bound by a demon. There's some of you that cannot get your life straight 
because of the spirit you've allowed in your life. You know it's there. You know there's something to be around that will not let you have joy. You can't keep a job. You can't keep a relationship. You know why? Because the nature of the devil is to divide, is to separate and tear down. But I come to tell the devil in your life, his day is over. There's a deliverer in the building. There's a miracle worker in the building. Somebody shout a yes. Hallelujah. Somebody shout yes. I looked at her and I said, look at me. When I did, her head faced me. Looking at me, could not move her eyes because I, God had given me authority. And I just looked at that devil that had her bound and I said, leave. What she could not do, what nobody else could do, instantly her body was limp, went limp and she started praying in the Holy Ghost and God set her free. I'm talking to somebody that's watching this service, somebody that's in this service. You haven't told anybody about what you're going through and you've said, I'm tired of it. Enough is enough. I've been down this dead end road long enough. I need to turn around. I come to tell you, you've come to the right place to get your miracle. You've come to the right place to get your victory. Somebody shout, there's victory in this city. Look at two or three people and say, there's victory in this city. Amen. He's able. He's able. You're here, you know, I preach to you. I preach enough to know when God has honed in on somebody, letting you know. How did he know? Somebody been calling the pastor? Just Jesus. Jesus been telling me what's going on. You do not have to live bound. You do not have to live depressed. You do not have to live guilt, live hopeless. You can live free. Maybe you're here today and say, why are all those people so happy? Because they were bound, but now they're free. They were blind, but now they see. We don't act this way because it's just what we do. We act this way because of a grateful heart that says, I know where he brought me from, and he's been better to me than I deserve. How many feel that he's been better to you than what you deserve? Come on, just as a testimony. If you were ever delivered of addiction or any type of bondage, jump to your feet. Take a look around the building. People have been set free. That's why we preach the way we preach and we believe that he died for every sinner, every person. You can be free today. I want everybody to stand and lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to ask God, Lord, you know where I'm at and you know what I need. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, there's so many people, even here, there's people even in our city that are looking for a breakthrough. They're looking for deliverance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody says, amen. Do you believe God can deliver anybody? You believe God can deliver a city? How many believe that? I want you to clap your hands and thank God for what he's going to do. You can be seated. Now we're going to enter a great stage revival and I want you to hear me as I preach to you and tell you how it's going to be done. Jesus in his writing, in his teaching, he taught us that the field was the world. He compared you and I, people, individuals, to wheat. Amen. That's right. The Bible says, except wheat die and fall on the ground, it shall not live. 
It's talking about the seed that comes out and the plant begins to die. The seed goes in and dies and then sprouts through life. It's comparing you and me to wheat or what in the Old Testament we call corn. When you see this, you'll find that in, in Luke chapter um, 24, verse 49, I believe it is, it says, he said, I have come to send fire on the earth. The New Living Translation would say this way. Jesus would say, I have come to set the world on fire. What that means is that everything he's ever done, he's always done through a fire because the scripture also tells us that God is a consuming fire. When Jesus was introduced by John the Baptist, it went something like this. He said, he said I baptize you with water under repentance, but there is one that's coming after me who is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to loose. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, somebody shout fire, amen. When Moses was called by God to deliver three and a half million people out of Egypt and to take them into the promised land, you'll find that God spoke to him through an angel through a burning bush. It was burning, but it was not consumed. Out of the fire came a word of direction that called Moses to lead three and a half slaves out of Egypt into their promise and into their Freedom. Where did it come from? It came from the fire. He also says that when he talks to the Son of God, he talks differently than he talks to the angels. For he said, I will cause my angels to be uh, fiery ministers. Everybody say fiery ministers. I don't like dead ministers. I need a fiery one. I need somebody that God has set on fire. He told them that his church would not start in the, you can see it, that it didn't start in the dining room. It didn't start in the Mount of Olives. He said, it's gonna start in Jerusalem. My church is gonna begin at Jerusalem and go there until you are endued with power from on high. When they got there, this was 50 days after the Passover, it was called Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. When they got to the upper room, they had sought God for three days of fasting and an all night prayer meeting. We would say they built an altar before the Lord and waited on God. But the Clark, something powerful happened. On the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, the 50th day, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the fire fell on them, something spoke out of them. Amen. The Bible says the scripture of old, that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What it's saying is, is that when God sets the world on fire, it's actually talking about he's gonna set the believer on fire. Amen. Three of you believed it. That's what he's talking about. I'm gonna set the field on fire. I'm gonna let there be flaming evangelists that's gonna come out of the church. When they do, watch. The fire will always cause you to speak the things of God. And that's why when the fire fell on the day of Pentecost, they begin to speak, and the Bible says they began to speak about the wonderful works of God. You think I preach this way because I think it looks cool? You think I practiced in a mirror before I got up here? You got another thing coming. 
I spent about, about as much time preparing what I look like as I did fixing my hair. I'm not up here jumping and shouting the way I do because I think it's a certain way of presentation. This was not practice. I'm going to tell you why I preach the way I've preached. Because I feel a fire of God setting upon me. It causes me to say things I haven't prepared. It causes me to see things that I could not think with a logical mind. That's why I said the things I said because the fire of God has been upon me in this service and God wants to do a new thing in you. It was never the will of God for just a group of people to come and hear the same preacher tell the same stories once a week or twice a week or three times a week. No, 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 no. The will of God was that the preacher would preach and the fire would come through him to the believer. And when the fire would spread from the preacher, the apostle, to the, through the pastor, through the evangelist, it would spread to the believer and the believer would go home and tell what God had did for them. And then the next person would believe. History says that the apostle Paul was on such fire that they had to change his guards every 15 minutes or he would convert them. There's a man that is traveling to the U.S. right now, a missionary, and he, he, he was put in the same situation. He was, he was imprisoned, and every person that would imprison him, he would convert because what he was saying was beyond him. It was from the fire of God's spirit which caused him to speak. Amen. Praise God. The Azusa Street fires began to burn in the early 1900s. And when they began to burn in the early 1900s, something was very powerful. A man by the name of William Seymour caught on fire. He began to preach this message about the latter-day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Repentance would fall on so many. They had church three times a day for three years and no one wanted it to stop. It spread like fire all over California. They called them babbling tongue talkers. They wrote articles about him and made fun. Some orthodox uh, dignitaries would come down to try to shut down this babbling things that were going on with these new believers. When they would get down there, one recorded that on his way to that old horse stable that was they met in in the AMF building, American Methodist Episcopal AME building that they had used to start this prayer meeting that when they got off of the train, making their way, that conviction would come over them. One man, when he'd come in to stop it, he fell on his knees and began to repent because of the power of the presence of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. Another man walked in there with boldness to stop it because of all these people that were praying. There were people coming from all over California, getting out of wheelchairs and being healed. Palsies were being delivered. Miracles were taking place. People were spreading the news everywhere. God is moving among us. Hungry believers were tired of going to churches that they couldn't feel anything. Hearing a history lesson about a Christ that lived 2,000 years ago but never seen present today. But believers caught on fire. One man walked in, a little girl began to, when she walked up, she was praying in the Holy Ghost and she went up to him and exposed every sin in his life right there. And he said enough and fell to his knees and repented. Amen. What I'm talking to you is not about just joining the church membership. It's becoming what God wants you to become. I have seen people saved because I began to tell them about what God would tell me to tell them, how God had healed me. And in the moment of that, they would weep and cry. I was on an airplane one time. My seat was changed. Put me from 13F to 18F. And I get on there. Everybody on the plane was lit on that plane except me and one person. 
They switched our seats and set us beside each other. I started talking to her about the things of God. Not initially, we just had airplane conversation. I'm on airplanes quite a bit and sometimes we just sleep and hope nobody talks to us at 6 a.m. in the morning. Can I get a witness from somebody? But it was this day that we sat and talked. She said, what do you do? I said, where do you do? Where are you from? Pretty much airplane conversation. I said, well, I'm a preacher. I've been in Mississippi flying home and we were in Memphis. And, and she said, really? She said, you know, I, I, I'd like to hear about all that you do. And I told her about my feet being healed. And she said, I'd like to hear about, have you ever seen any more miracles? Oh, I can't stop. I've seen them my whole life. I can go all day talking about the miracles of God. When I did, the spirit of the Lord moved on the airplane. She started weeping. She started crying. She said, I feel the Lord. Amen. And she's made this statement to me. She said, I've been praying at home at night. And when I'm praying, I feel a heat set upon me. She said, do you know anything about that? Listen, that's like saying sick them to a bulldog. When you talk about heat with a Pentecostal preacher. I took her to Acts chapter two. Amen. While they were there, in one accord, one, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. They're appearing cloven tongues like as a fire and set up on each of them. And I said, that's the Holy Ghost. I said, I received it when I was eight years old, standing at the altar in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, lifting my hands and God filled me with his spirit. I began to speak in the heavenly language as God gave me the ability to speak. Oh, she cried, she wept. Honey, you never, you don't remember this. I come home and I showed you the email. I said, I met a lady on the plane. You better tell your wife when you met a lady on the plane. I said, I met this lady on the plane and here's the email we're emailing and she would correspond with me. I wouldn't do it alone because that's wisdom. You know, Lord corresponded with her and I'll never forget the email that came with exclamation points. She said, I was praying in my house, living room last night and she said, exactly what you told me from Acts chapter two happened to me. While I was praying, I felt the heat come upon me and then he filled me with the spirit. I began to speak in the heavenly language as God gave me the ability to speak. Listen, I'm not ashamed of what God has done for me. I'm not ashamed of what he can do for you. It's a miracle believing church. We believe in an outpouring of the spirit church. We believe in supernatural things, do we not? And so that's what he meant. The Bible says it spread from house to house until when it was over, they had, everybody take your hand like this and say it turned the world upside down. Christian killers became preachers. People that were bound were made set free. Christianity spread so much they would imprison them when they would come to the city because they know if they preached, the city would be converted. They would imprison the preacher because if the preacher's on fire, it's gonna spread. Let me put it this way. If the saint's on fire, it's gonna spread. Come on, it's not meant for just Zanesville. That's why we gotta work in Crooksville. Then we gotta work in Gloucester. Then we gotta work in Lex, New Lex. We gotta work in Cambridge. We gotta work in, are y'all with me right now? It's spreading all over Guatemala. It's spreading in Vietnam right now. This is not just for me, it's for everybody. And God wants you to, I would say, what's the next town here today? This might spread through OUZ. It might spread through Zane State. It might hit the high school and people are set free from the drugs and the alcohol and the addiction because there's power in the believer. Somebody say amen. I'm trying to quit. I'm stirred today because Samson loses his wife and he doesn't fold his arms and say, I quit, I'm done. No, he gets angry. Every now and then, we need an angry Christian not angry at the neighbor, 
not angry at politics, not angry at economy, not angry at the boss, not angry because you didn't get enough food at the restaurant. Angry at the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our problem is not politics and people. Our problem is principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our problem. I dream of a revival where entire cities are converted. At the let go of personnel at the local jail because it's not needed. Because so many have been set free. But keep, keep dreaming, preacher. I will. Whether you do or not, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming of marriages that stay together. People say, no, you know what? I'm going to keep the baby. I think God has something in store for this. I, I know I haven't been doing what I should be doing, but I just, I'm dreaming of something happening in this city that will bring industry and trust. People will love one another, won't be fighting on the street, that gangs will go somewhere else, that people, and they can't even sell drugs on the street because nobody's interested in the drugs. It can happen if we'll pray, if we'll call upon his name. And Samson said, you know what? I'm tired of the Philistines messing with my family. You know what I'm going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the fields on fire. So here's what he did. Now, now for all of y'all that think Samson was Superman, how many remember God's Gym t-shirts? Anybody remember that? That was my generation maybe. God's Gym t-shirts. Anybody remember that? It's like Samson on there. Big, huge, by Steve, if I could, that's what I'd look like. I mean, I do wear special suits so, so you won't see all the muscles that I have. Just... Some of you took me serious. <laughs> he was biceps of stovepipes. Massive. Lifting that. that's, that's what we picture when we picture Samson. He did not look like that. He looked like me and Brother Glover. Skinny. You laughing, but he looked like you too. Amen. I don't think he looked like Brother John. If Samson would have looked like what you pictured and killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, chased down 300 foxes, lit the gates off the city, kill a, and uh, kill a lion, you'd say, wow, he is, he's the man. If I did it, you'd say, the Lord's with him. <laughs> Y'all know it's the truth. God used him. And when the Philistines came against, Samson wasn't doing right but the hand of the Lord was still upon him. And I feel that for somebody, that you feel unworthy. I'm not doing everything right, Pastor. I, I would, but listen, Samson wasn't doing everything right at the moment either. But the hand of the Lord was still upon him. But he had knowledge. I know how to make the enemy pay. There's gotta get something in the mother that says, I, I can't stand by and just let things keep going. There's gotta get something in the heart of a believer that says, I can't let this happen to my family. Come on, we've never dealt with more chaos than we deal with now. There's never been more confusion, more emotional confusion than what there is right now. Every counselor I know is booked out. People trying to, and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, you're not gonna find your answer in horoscopes or 1-900 numbers. 1-900 psychic. 
You don't need the devil telling you your future. You need God saying, this is what the devil wanted, but this is what I'm going to do for you. You don't need a... I don't know why I'm in it this way today, but can I tell you, you don't need an unbeliever telling you how to live your life. You need God telling you, this is what I'm going to do. You messed up, but there's something better. He said, we're going to disrupt the enemy. He said, I'm going to make him pay, and here's how I'm going to do it. He caught 300 foxes. It's like chasing saints. It's like chasing your kids. Can I get a witness? Oh, y'all criticizing me. It's like chasing my own kids. Are you feel better? Amen. Well, the preacher's kids are bad. Talk about your own kids because they hang out with your kids. Amen. You imagine catching 300 foxes? Here's what we picture. We picture him catching. Truth matter is we, most of us just skim right past it and don't even picture what really happened. Just got your chapter in. 300 foxes. I finally caught you, praise God. His mom and dad was happy when I caught him, amen. They tell me Sunday school teachers resigned when he was in their class, but that's under the blood. I shouldn't even bring it up, amen. But Nehemiah, he looking fine now, looking good and clean, and always been that way. God said, I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm going to catch a fox. I'm going to catch something wild. And proven fact about a fox is you really can't truly tame it like a dog. It's almost always too wild. Very rare you hear somebody have a pet fox, but then it can turn. But God said, I'm going to take something man can't tame and I'm going to use it to make the enemy pay. What counselors couldn't do, education could not do. God said, I'm gonna use a Samson under the influence of the spirit to catch what nobody else can catch. Without entrapment, without wounding the foot, without hurting or wounding it. Just somehow, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I know God gave him favor and the ability to catch what no man can tame. So you walk into the building today and you say, well, I've never been able to get her. I've had this all my life. I, I'm a little, bit, a little bit wild by name. I've always bucked against the, 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 the direction. I've tried to always do my own thing. That's because you're a fox. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a fox. Somebody looked at your wife and she said, thank you, amen. You're a fox. Come here. Come here. But God said, I didn't, I didn't call you on this to be by yourself. You need him. He needs you, so he ties them together. Hear me. You will never find fire falling just individually. It will always be for more than one. Because it's not good enough to be alone. And there's people in the room today that feel alone. But that's why God sends you to a church to get connected because it's not good enough to get caught and come to the church and be saved, if you will. You've got to get connected. And that's why we have small groups. Everybody needs to get connected to somebody. Don't just be a Sunday attendee. 
Are, are your bellies growling? I feel like somebody's belly just growled. And you're like, Cracker Barrels. Don't you know Cracker Barrels got the Sunday chicken on? Listen, Cracker Barrel, hold your chicken. I'm not done with the message. Amen. I, I just need a few more minutes. Some of you have tried to find your purpose. You felt alone, connected to nothing, tried everything, but to no avail. But I come to tell you that God sent you here because he's got divine purpose for you. The devil's going to wish he never knew your name. He never did what he did to you. He never, he's going to wish you because you're going to bring such havoc on the enemy. Come here. Come here, you two foxes. Wild. Untamable. There are going to be so many conversions in this city. My brother just had a guy that came to his church. He was a worshiper of Odin. He was worshiped for. He was a, wore a shirt that said saved by Satan was the t-shirt he would wear in town. Some of you might have seen that. He came to the church because he thought it would look good on his court record that he went to a church so he could for family things. But when he got there, he felt something. He would tell you, I hate God. There is no God. He despised anything about God because he was never raised around it. But what he realized, there was a God that loved him no matter what he was saying, no matter where he was. I'm preaching to you. I don't care how bad you've been. There's a Savior. I don't care how far you've gone. There's a Savior. Jump to your feet and lift your hands and say, God, we need you even now. We need you even now. <laughs> he knows where you're at come to the music remain standing he said it's not good enough to be caught you've got to be united to something can't be all by myself he tied them together. Jesus said, you know how you know they're my disciples? He said, because they'll love one another. You don't just ever see one disciple except Judas, and he's a betrayer and lost out. Anytime you see a disciple, he's always going to be with somebody, at least two, possibly three. Are y'all ready? For all you lone rangers in the building, you need Tonto. You need somebody. <laughs> And in the building right now. I'm just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. It's not biblical. He said where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where any two or three will agree on any one thing, I'll do it. It's not good enough to have just your faith. You need your faith and his faith. Yeah. I don't know why it's so quiet in here. But it's the truth. You need a church to belong to. You need a small group to belong to. I can't do this by myself. Isn't it amazing? He didn't set them on fire when he caught them. He set them on fire after he united them to something. You're a part of something now. What? Reaching sinners. Reaching people in bondage. Loving the lost. Loving the sinner. That's what we do here. I'm going to tell you what I'm thankful for at the anchor. I'm glad when I go there, I can feel Jesus in the house. How many felt him already today in the house? He wants to save you. Then you know what he did? He set him on fire. 
when he set them on fire, he let them go. Not the one field. I don't believe it was just one field. I believe he strategically located every field there was and strategically put people in the fields until it burned up the wheat, it burned up the corn, it burned up the vineyards, it burned up everything that's harvestable was consumed. Let me just word it this way. Everything that could be saved was saved. (laughs) I don't want one backslider to go to hell. I don't want one person in this community to be lost. I don't want you. I don't want me. I don't want my wife. I don't want my kids. I don't don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. And in this building, you know you're struggling with something. That I would plead with you. God wants to catch you. He told Simon Peter, he said, I want you to be a fisher of men. I want you to catch people. Catch people. Because I've got something better for them than bondage and misery and sin and regret. There's an old song as I close. He said, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad, but he took my sins away. He took my sins away. I'm so glad he made me glad when sin had ravished my life. Anybody feel that way today? Clap your hands and thank God for it. I make a commitment as I close. I want to be a part of catching you. I want to be a part of uniting you. I want to be a part of setting you on fire. But I promise you, I'm not going to keep you. I'm going to let you go into the field of your called purpose. There's people that God has sent to this church. He caught you. He caught you here. He's uniting you here. He's going to set you on fire. And we as a church, we're going to let you go. It might be another city. It might be another country. You might be a pastor, pastor's wife. I'd love just to see how many people can we get in this building. But that's, that's carnal. That's not God. We're going to send as many people to the harvest field as we can. And we're going to turn North America upside down. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.